And I don't think there's any amount of money that doesn't need a plan. I think the less you make, the more important it is to have a plan, actually. Welcome to The Thought Card, a podcast about travel and money, where planning, saving, and creativity leads to affording travel, building wealth, and paying off debt. We are the Financially Savvy Travelers. And one of the things that I thought was really interesting is that Vanguard came out with a a study and in their report, they really talked about how most investors are, quote unquote, staying the course. And I thought that it would be really great to have Aquania on the show. And we're just really going to just chit chat about the findings and why we think uh, why we think that the findings are what they are. So Aquania, welcome back to the Thought Card Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Danielle. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about life updates. I know that you officially launched your podcast. So since you've been on the show, what new things have you been up to? So for everyone out there who doesn't know, my name is Aquania Escarne, and I'm the host of the Purpose of Money podcast. I started out with the blog, thepurposeofmoney.com where I talk about financial advice and different strategies and tips for women to help them build generational wealth. And last this year, January 22nd, 2020, with the support and encouragement of Danielle and Women of Color podcasters, I launched the Purpose of Money podcast, where I'm sharing stories of women building wealth, as well as strategies and tips to help you create more freedom in your life today. So I'm looking at any way that you can make your life more productive, fun, and free while you're still working or pursuing financial freedom, but then also sharing stories of entrepreneurs who have successfully created freedom for themselves. And it's going really well. It's been a few weeks now. I've been consistently putting out a episode every other Wednesday and slowly growing my audience. So I'm really excited to share that with everyone. Yes. And Aquania, I love your podcast. I really enjoy all of the content that you're producing right now. And just to give you guys a reminder, we you actually could hear um, all about Aquania's story and how she's leaving a legacy behind for her and her family on episode number 31 of the podcast. So just go back and listen to, to her podcast and also subscribe to The Purpose of Money as well. Yeah. So let's dig into today's topic. So in this episode, we're going to really talk and discuss Vanguard's coronavirus market volatility research report, which found that although trading among the U.S. investors have increased due to the pandemic, the majority are staying the course and not trading in response to the market decline. So the first thing I want to talk about is between February 19th and March 20th, 2020, trading among Vanguard's individual investors increased. More than 90% of the U.S. investors stayed the course and did not trade in response to the market decline. So Kwania, do you have thoughts as to the sample of people that Vanguard polled that they saw that 90% of these folks did not uh, did not sell or did not make any trades and they just stayed the course. you have any thoughts on that? Absolutely. I think they're smart people. I am a life insurance producer as well as uh, someone who can help you with financial planning. So we've told our clients the exact same thing, that in a market decline, it's not the time to sell. It's actually the time to stay the course. And if you're consistently investing every month, continue to keep doing so, because you get to take advantage of the lower price of stocks at that point in time. 
And I actually agree with this strategy and the way that I've managed it and to not panic is to actually not even look at my accounts. I know that's hard for some people who want to consistently see their wealth building and they might check their accounts more frequently. And then you hear a lot of things on the news about the market is down and the economy is down and it's all as a result of the coronavirus, a lot of people's instinct is to log into those accounts and see how much money they've lost. But it's actually not beneficial to do that because it gives your mind all wrapped up into, oh my God, I had this much money and now I'm down this much money. So I'll give you my true story. I did log in once. And last year, based on my first episode of the podcast, I did an episode called How I Made $80,000 in My Retirement Account in 2019. That was the first episode of the Purpose of Money podcast. Well, I checked the account and out of the $80,000 I made last year, (laughs) I was down $70,000. Anyone in their right mind would have freaked out and said, oh my God, I just lost all the money I made in one year in a couple of weeks. But actually by not doing anything, not changing my strategy, still investing the same amount of money I do every paycheck, I've actually seen that now the market is going back up and I'm getting some of that money back. So they're not actual losses. It's just losses on paper. And those are the ones you shouldn't really be worried about. The stock market is very cyclical. It will have ups and it will have downs. It is volatile. That's the whole point. But that's where you have opportunity. And so if you don't sell, you actually get to see the gains come back to you once the market rebounds. And that's what we try to encourage a lot of people to do, because if you sell when you've lost money on paper, then it becomes actual losses. And there's really no mechanism to recoup that money if you're no longer in the market. So consider it a game. If you're continuing to play, you have the opportunity to win your money back. And if you're not selling, you don't actually take those losses. But if you do sell, then you make those losses a reality for yourself. And then you're no longer in the game. So even if the market turned around the next day, you have no opportunity to get that money back. It's lost for good. So number one is about assessing your risk tolerance. That is very important. If you're investing in a investment vehicle, uh, for example, a retirement account or mutual funds or stocks, there's a level of risk that you're taking Mm -hmm. when you're investing in these equities. And you have to understand that as you can come up, you can also come down. Mm -hmm. So we have been fortunate enough the last few years since the, uh, the Great Recession is that we've been on a come up. We've been Mm -hmm. seeing year after year returns on our investment. And I think that a lot of people have gotten so used to that, that they forget that the market is volatile and it can mm-hmm. go up and down and you have mm-hmm. to prepare yourself for that. If you're not ready to take on risk, then you should do something less conservative, like more conservative, mm-hmm. for example, like a bond or a CD or a savings account. Assessing your risk tolerance is very important. We have a thing that we do with all new clients before we invest a dollar in the stock market. And that is assessing the risk tolerance of the person. I am not a believer that, oh, you're young. You can, you have time. You can take more risks. You can be more aggressive because you have 40 years before you're going to retire. That's not actually the best case for a lot of people because whether you're young or whether you're older, 
if you can't sleep at night because of the investments that you're putting your money in, they are not the best investments for you. And that has nothing to do with age or how much time you have to invest. I personally am an aggressive investor. I've been investing since I was 16 years old. And I do I do pursue the more riskier investments because I do believe that with risk comes greater reward. But if I was not able to sleep when the market is down because it's giving me stress, anxiety, or just physical distress, then I would tell myself, you don't need to be in aggressive products. You need to be in more moderate or even conservative. And yes, the bonds are out there as an option, a traditional savings account if you really want to be that conservative. But that's what we look at. And we ask people hard questions. And a lot of times we show them what the market was like in 2008. And if they were able to process the losses of 2008, and then be able to appreciate the rewards in 2009 when the market came back about 26%, then I'd say, okay, maybe you're more prepared investor to be in an aggressive or a moderately aggressive portfolio. But if someone tells me I hate to lose five cents on the dollar under any circumstances, I don't like to take any risk at all, then that's a different conversation. And that's when we can't recommend aggressive products, no matter how old they are. And that's what people need to realize. If you're working with someone who insists that you invest in something aggressive because they think you're young enough to handle the cycle and the changes and the volatility, you might want to reconsider working with that person because they're not putting your best interests at heart. Personal finance is personal. Like we said, Mm -hmm. it's personal. It's individualistic based off of your circumstances. Yes, there's convention. There's rule of thumbs. There's just blanket statements. uh, But you have to really think through like, what is the, what is best for me, my finances and my particular situation. So I really, really appreciate that. The other thing that this has brought to light for me as well is that in 2008, I personally was in like getting to college. Like I was graduating, going to college. So I was really like not really understanding what's going on. I was like, you know, 20, 21. So who cares, right? Uh, But now during this crisis and this pandemic is that, you know, a lot of us millennials are now at the age where we are making financial decisions. And this is the first time that we've kind of really seen, like not our parents, but see for Mm -hmm. us how Mm -hmm. this um, this is impacting us. So I think that's really important. This could be a lot of people's first time dealing with such a huge loss in the market. So I think this discussion is like super, super timely. Being young has its benefits. You can ride the waves. You can endure the different crises that may come up with the economy. But you also have to remember that the stock market and a lot of its performance is based on consumerism. And if we're being told to stay home, we're not really shopping as much as we used to. We're not supporting small businesses as much as we used to. So of course the market's going to be down. It's an it's a natural reaction to what's really happening. But if you have faith that we are going to get back to a more normal life, then you know that it's going to rebound. And it may take time, but it will bounce back. I mean, in 2008, I was a little ahead of you. I just finished grad school. It was a terrible time to look for a job, but fortunately, I secured a job 
while in grad school. So in 2008, January, I started my career and I did the simplest investing you can do, which is I started my job and I invested in my employer retirement account. And I can't emphasize this enough. Before you look for stocks and mutual funds or exchange traded funds to invest your money in, you should start at the basic level of investing in your employer's retirement account. And my employer was matching 5% of my contributions as long as I put in 5% of my base salary. So I took that free money and I ran with it. And that was how I started out. And it took time, but the money's grown. And when I increase my contributions, my job increases theirs because it's 5% of what I do, right? So I've been able to take advantage of that. And there are plenty of people who become millionaires just by investing in their retirement accounts with their employer, investing in real estate, which may only be their primary home. It's not required that everyone goes out and becomes a landlord of several properties and they still become millionaires too and have plenty of income to retire with. So I want to emphasize that although investing outside of your employer and outside of your primary home are great opportunities to build wealth, they're not required. Yes, yes. And the other thing that I found really interesting, and it's very in line with what my thinking was, like all of it's interesting, because I feel like this Vanguard study was on point for what I (laughs) what I would feel that uh, would be happening right now. Most Mm -hmm. people be staying consistent. And I think the fact that you're staying consistent means that these investors are knowledgeable, right, that they they know, don't panic, don't, Mm -hmm. you know, don't just, you know, sell everything and realize, realize those losses. So it sounds like, you know, I'm really happy about this, because I feel like more people are just being more informed in the financial decisions that they're making, which is awesome. However, the last point that I wanted to cover is that households with the highest balances are moving away from equities, aka stocks, mutual funds, etc., So that means that older and wealthier households are selling while the typical trader is buying on the dip or AKA buys on the dip. So for me, this means that, you know, the older households are saying, okay, I can't weather this storm because, you know, maybe I don't have income coming in anymore, or maybe I'm living off of my investments. So me being in this volatile market doesn't make sense. So let me move that into something more conservative which is example a bond. So that makes sense to me. So I do have a slightly different opinion about that because it's a, it's a matter of your perspective and how long you really see yourself living. To be honest, I am not considering my retirement age as the end of my race because if you really think about it, retirement is the beginning of the second phase of your life. And I need my retirement funds to last probably another 20 to 30 years. Most women, because we live longer typically, are going to retire in their 50s or 60s, and they'll probably die in their 90s. So when I think about it that way, I actually need my retirement money to work harder and smarter for me, just like it did when I was working. And so I would take a slightly different approach. But again, personal finance is personal is I may not be the person who's going to take all my money and invest in bonds because the market is down and I'm retired because I still actually need that money to work and I still actually need gains. 
especially if I'm just reaching retirement and I have 20 years ahead of me. A lot of times what I do with my clients is we outline the entire financial goals in different phases of your life. And we look at how much time you need your money to work for you. And so we're going to be, if you're an aggressive investor, we're aggressive while you're working, while you have income coming in, we may change your risk tolerance slightly to be more conservative towards retirement age and in retirement, but we're still going to have a percentage of your portfolio that is heavily invested in the market. So that is still earning some income and some gains for you. Passive income is a great way to prolong your retirement investments, and it doesn't really require you to do any work, right? So bottom line is, yes, you may need to be a little more conservative depending on where you are in your life and your finances, but I do want to discourage people from going 100% all in when you know you have 20 more years, you really need that money to work for you, and inflation is real, okay? So think of it this way. If you had $20,000 invested in the market, and although there was a dip, it still has the potential to earn more money, that's great. But if you took that 20000 out of the market and put it in your mattress and let it sit there, what is it going to do for you? And the bottom line is nothing. It's going to be in your mattress. And that dollar in, in today's world is going to be less valuable to you in the future and probably buy less goods for you in the future. A lot of people, we pay more for movies than we used to. We pay more for food, right? So if you take the money completely out of the mechanism that is allowing it to grow and essentially invest it in your mattress, you're still losing money slowly. In fact, inflation is going to secretly eat it away. So keep that in mind when you make large, bold moves like that. I say bounce the ideas off of a financial expert or talk to someone else before you completely do it. Because you may only need to probably cash in a percentage of your portfolio, maybe because you need access to cash right now, but then you can leave the rest of it invested so it continues to work for you. I love this discussion because it's making me realize that I think people who are in our age, like millennials and younger, we just have a new way of thinking when it comes to managing and investing money. Because when I talk to the old generations, like my mom and my, you know, that, that bracket between like their 50, 55, moving into retirement, people in her age bracket that I know personally, they have investments and they are scared and Mm -hmm. they are stopping their investments. They're not selling, but they're definitely moving different because they say, oh my gosh, I only have 10, 15 years to retirement. I can't afford to take this L. But Mm -hmm. I love what you said, Aquania, is that this money needs to work for me regardless if I'm employed or Mm -hmm. if I'm in retirement. (laughs) This money got to work, okay? Right. And I love that you're you're saying that most people in retirement still work. Mm -hmm. You know, they still have a part-time job, maybe, you know, or maybe they are investing in properties or they have other income sources. So the strategy can change a little bit, Mm -hmm. but- you still, I feel like regardless of what age you are, you need to have an investment strategy and not let fear set in, not let fear set in. And I just wanted to also highlight again, just for the folks who maybe missed it, Aquania, why is having an investment strategy so important today? 
Bottom line is if you fail to plan, if you yeah fail to plan, then you're planning to fail, right? And we want everyone to be successful financially. And so you need to know where you're going. You need to know where your money is going. You need to know why it's going there, right? Everything that we do, when we have a goal behind it and then action, it's a lot more likely to be successful. And the same thing applies with your investments, If you're taking your pot of money, your income, and you're spreading it all over the place, you're bound to create a lot of pots of money, but they're probably not going to do as well because they're not synchronized and that you don't have a clear understanding of what each pot of money is going to do for you. But if you really sit down and make a plan and say, I want to have this much in my emergency fund, I want to save this much a year for retirement, I want to have this much invested in the stock market so that I have multiple streams in which I'm making money and my money is working for me, then you're more likely to be focused on those goals and stick to them. And I don't think there's any amount of money that doesn't need a plan. I think the less you make, the more important it is to have a plan, actually. Thank you, Aquania. This was a fantastic conversation. I love having you on the show. Please remind everyone how they can connect with you. Absolutely. Check me out on Instagram at The Purpose of Money. I'm also on Twitter at Purpose underscore money. And my website is thepurposeofmoney.com. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Aquania. Next episode, we're going to talk all about my reaction, my personal reaction to losing 20% of my retirement investments in the last quarter. So that will be a fun, a fun bonus episode as well. Just a reminder, if you love this podcast, you enjoy the content, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me an honest review. We'll talk soon. Bye for now.